Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome into the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My apologies there for being fashionably late, but uh, here we are. We're good to go. Nonetheless, I am uh, Tanner Saunders, joined by Evan Harrington, the boys, and Dan Dale, Double D, and uh, we are just getting underway here. So a lot to go over today. We got the Sabres one again the wagon is still rolling got uh unfortunately no bills content to talk about because they're coming off the bye week but uh still got plenty of action to get to around the nfl so got a uh caller on the line at the moment i think it's related to the show so that's uh occupying the attention of my co-host here for the moment but Evan, you're over there now. You're man, yes. your battle station. You're good to go. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good weekend overall. I mean, we had a big Sabres win on Saturday night that I think was outstanding. And, you know, we improved to 4-1 and one on the season. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, if not later in the show. But, you know, it was a good weekend overall. Uh, enjoyed watching, you know, some football for the first time without stressing about the Bills. Um, the Bills didn't get much help this weekend. Um you know, the Dolphins won, the Jets won, the Chiefs won. Uh, but now we have a chance to watch the Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football. And let's see if, you know, the Bears can knock off the Patriots and keep them under 500. Because if Oh, the, you're crazy. If the, I'm just saying, if the Patriots win, the AFC East has not one, not two, not three, but four teams over 500 and is making an argument for... Not only one of the better divisions in football, but maybe the best division in football overall from top to bottom. Uh, I mean, it is it is stressful, but yeah, overall, I'm doing pretty good right now. Dan? Uh, I want to cry. Uh, I did not have a, as great of a weekend. You know, work was a little stressful. Um, I was telling Tanner the problems that I had at work uh, on Saturday. But, you know, I'm I'm, I'm alive. I'm here. Uh, you know, I'm still a little bit sick. You know, I'm going to use that as my excuse on Wednesday, so be ready for that. But, um, I, I, Sabres did well, you know, watched seven hours of commercial-free football. How could I be mad, you know, at, at that time? That's right, absolutely. Now, let's talk about that, uh, that Sabres win. They beat the Vancouver Canucks, who are just in a tailspin this season. The Sabres dropped them to 0-4-2 now. But the Sabres, don't look now, but they're 4-1. They're and one. The, the wagon keeps rolling. They won 5-1. to one. Uh, Let's just rapid fire. What were you guys' thoughts on the game, man? Uh, yeah, I, I think I can start it off from here. I thought the first, you know, five or so minutes of the first period, you could tell that the Canucks were fired up not only uh with not having a win on the season and the only team currently still in the nhl without a win but it was their home opener and their fans wanted a win they wanted to see some improvement in the game that was being displayed right in front of them and you again for the first five to six minutes of the game you saw that you saw the canucks applying the pressure in the offensive zone in the defensive zone of the sabers but don granado and the buffalo sabers simply reacted to what the Canucks were bringing and they 
you know, combated it and played very well for the final 15 or so. Um, obviously, you know, with a with a big goal um, from Rasmus Dahlin and Alex Tuck in that first period. Uh, but, you know, completely going on a shift of the second, again, this, you know, the Sabres were, were playing very well. Uh, they, they, they kept it up. Uh, and in the third, the Canucks just fell apart and looked like a team with no wins. They looked like the worst team in the NHL in the third period. Uh, Victor Olofsson got like three points in the final 10 or so minutes of the third. You would have thought this guy was dominating for all 60 minutes. He had a solid game overall, I'd say, but he really, really dominated the last 10 minutes or so in the game, uh, ending the night as the leading point getter for the Sabres with three, two goals and one assist. Uh, he's also like top four on the team in points, and not saying that he hasn't had impactful goals and impactful you know, moments in this game, uh, but a lot of his points have come at the end you know, with two empty net goals and just basically you know, third period points, which is fine. And I mean, I'm glad he's doing it, but you know, he's having a solid start to the year as well. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, I just want to get into this and I'll throw it over to you, Dan. Rasmus Dahlin, uh, he is in major contention right now for the Norris, for the Norris trophy, which is the best defensive player in all of hockey for the respective season this year. And not only is he doing it offensively, I think he's been better defensively than offensively this year. And that, shows how good he's been defensively with the numbers he's putting up offensively with with five goals in his in his first five games he is just setting records all season long I mean Rasmus Stalin's career high in goals is 13 he's already at five in five games I mean if you're sitting here telling me that Rasmus Stalin was at five goals in 20 games I would have been like, okay, you know that's good like you know maybe we could do a little better but you know that's that's a very good stat toll um at the beginning of the season well, he's at five and five, and if he even just keeps up, you know, somewhat of the pace he's on, if just slightly worse, we could have a a twenty five plus goal season for Rasmus Dahlin, and we should not be, you know, like shocked by it. We should just be like, okay, we finally got the coach to give him confidence. We see Rasmus Dahlin with some setup plays from Don Granado, um, especially in the high slot, allowing him to go to work and allowing him to use that elite shot that he possesses. And it is just great to watch. And we finally have what we what we were expecting to get out of our first overall pick in 2018 of Rasmus Dahlin. You know, my thoughts about the game were that it was a great win. I mean, I watched it all the way through. It was a, I, I thought it was their best game put together so far with the offense and the defense. Only allowed 30 shots on goal. You know, Anderson just let the one in or else he's perfect um, for the day. Penalty kill was pretty good because that's when the only good goal came on, the, the power play for the Canucks. So, um, I... I do want to see the Sabres just be a little bit more aggressive in their hits. Um, you know, I, I get it. Yes, they're aggressive to the puck. They're very aggressive in the penalty kill this year um, so far, which I really like. But, um, you know, I want to see a couple more people knocked down. It seems like we always get knocked down. Um, you know, Canucks had 40 hits on the night while the Sabres only had 17 Maybe I just want to see a couple more people demolishing each other. I I mean, maybe that's the aggressiveness in me. Um, But 
I I really did think that this was a good complete team win. Um, you know, the injury bug is back. Samuelson got hurt. He might be out for a, maybe a couple of games. I'm thinking like one or two. He got like a shot to the face. Um, so, you know, that always takes a little bit to recover from. Um, but they got pilot up, so, you know, they, they could use him in the next game against the Kraken tomorrow. But, um, you know, I, I, I look at the Canucks, and I'm like, okay, why are they 0-4? They were... Or why haven't they had a win yet? You know, they they were very strong in playoff contentions last season. You know, they were still in the talks about making it to the last wild card spot. And you look at their coach, Bruce Bordeaux. He's a very well-known coach. I like him as a coach. But you know what he's well known for? Getting fired mid-season. Always. I, I don't remember a season that he's not gotten fired midway through or hired midway through. Um, he did that with the Canadians. Uh, he'll probably do it with the Canucks soon. He did it with a couple other teams. So I bet you that he will be fired very soon if he doesn't turn it around and start getting the wins. But um, also, I just got to think that the Canucks have no talent on their team. Jeez. They don't have any talent. They don't have any skill. They don't have a good game plan at all. When you don't have a win on a season. Dan, you're they have talent, dude. They do like, not have on, talent. Man. They do not have talent. Dude, they have Elias they Patterson don't. and Quinn Hughes. That like, doesn't matter to me. Those are two of the best players in the NHL. doesn't matter to me. Not good enough talent. If they were good enough, they would already have a win by now. No, Evan, when you have a different definition of talent than me. That's yeah. perfectly fine. Okay, I, you are not changing my mind. On I'm it. not trying to change your mind. On yes, talent. you are. No, I'm just saying they have players in in, in part. They, in they, your mind, they they re-signed a guy like JT Miller who's underperforming. Who at points in times has been a 30 plus goal scorer. Brock Besser is one of their top contributors on the power play. Tanner Pearson's been a very reliable top nine forward for his entire career. Quinn Hughes is one of the best, not even young defensemen in the NHL, one of the best defensemen overall in the NHL. Bo Bo Horvat, their captain, is just under a point per game. And Elias Pettersson, we've always known Elias Pettersson is a point per game guy. And Connor Garland has always been a consistent 45 to 50 point guy in his career. Oliver Ackman Larson, a very consistent uh, you know, player as well. I mean, they have players on this team. It's just they've been blowing leads. They have not been able to hold a lead. They've had a strong game plan going into the game, but they haven't been able to execute it with their on-ice production. And again, it's six games. They can easily turn it around with a five-game winning streak, and they can be 5-4-2, and two, and we wouldn't be having this conversation anymore. But again, like you mentioned, they were a team last year that was in playoff contention due to their players' talent. And again, you know, Bruce Bashar, not the, not the greatest head coach, has, like you mentioned, a tendency to get thrown out the door at the midway point of the season. You know, maybe we're 20 to 25 games in, this team's still under 500. Maybe you need to swing a coaching change. I don't think it's the players. They have talent. They have top-end players. They have everything you kind of want. Obviously, you know, you can still, you know, beefing up your, your depth on the second and third line. Like, every team is going to want that uh, ability to do so. But you have a number one player in Elias Pettersson. I, I don't think that's a question. Uh, he's not on the level of, you know, McDavid, McKinnon, Kucherov, uh, Matthews, etc. But, you know, he's there. He is a point-per-game player he produces. Um, and then, again, Quinn Hughes. 
you have a top defenseman. And they have players in, in place, like I mentioned, but they're just not executing. Uh, and they have been, you know, on the wrong end of games. I mean, they, they played at the beginning of the season Oilers. You know, no one expects them to beat the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers are one of the top, you know, six or seven teams in hockey. No one expected the Sabres to beat the Oilers. What did they do? Yeah, but I'm saying the Sabres right now are well, t- uh, you know, um, the Flyers, a team coming into the season. No right, no right to win. They were projected to be the bottom of the barrel. They get a new coach in John Tortorella, and guess what? They didn't need talent. They got the coaching. They played very well. They don't even have any talent on that team. Now, Dan, that's a team that has like they little, have talent, little to no talent. I like Ristolainen. I know you guys always say, "Oh, Ristolainen wasn't that good." I liked him when he played for the Sabres. I still gonna, think I'm he's keep, half decent. Keep going on this. Ristolainen is better out of your lineup than in your lineup. Um, Washington Capitals. They go up against Alexander Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson. Uh, that's a very good team. That's a team that won the championship a few years ago. They lost to that team. The Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets have gotten sin- substantially better. They added Johnny Goudreau in the offseason, and they extended Patrick Laine. This is That's a good team as well. The Wild. The Wild was a team that made the playoffs last year. They have a good team. They don't, you know, they got Kirill Kaprizov uh, and some others. You know, Marc-Andre Fleur, they had a tough start to the year. But the Canucks couldn't capitalize on that. And then the Sabres. Now, the Sabres have been rolling. They have been one of the better teams to start the, the season this year, and they were one of the better teams to finish the season last year. Um, and they showed, hey, we're going to capitalize on the Canucks in their struggle. And they did that. And, you know, that's also proving my point. Like, this Sabres team winning games that they should be winning is something that past Sabres teams simply cannot do. Because when you were coming into a game, you would see a team like the Canucks. Oh, they're on a, you know, losing skid. But they would be a team that would beat past Sabres teams. But this Sabres team is different, um, built from the the top down, and there's different mindset and a different aggression and intensity. Because they have talent. Our Sabres team? Yeah, I'm saying the Sabres have talent. Canucks don't have talent. Dan. I I still think that the Canucks went in going that it was the same old Sabres. I I 100% think that that it was just going to be a breeze walking the park. I don't don't think they did that. I I just think that I I think a lot of teams do that. I mean, like you said, Edmonton we beat. um, Florida we were at least close with. Well, we beat beat Edmonton because we went in there and played harder than them. We played a better 60 minutes than them. We did everything better than them. Evan, don't you think that teams know that— No, I don't because this is professional sports and everyone is on the same level to an extent. Well, well, Evan, you're not even letting me finish my point. You don't need to get all feisty without me even saying a point. Don't you think that teams know that, hey, this team's been down in the dumps for 10 or 11 years now. No, because this is the National Hockey League. That and means nothing, Evan. That means nothing. Yeah, this, this okay, t- so you're telling me that teams didn't take the Bills for granted in the 17-year drought? You're telling me that the Phillies, no, the Padres... No, because they the entire week watching film, going over certain players, going over the team's uh, you know, organization... Evan, you know topic. why there's a thing called trap games? Because teams look forward to the next week. 100%. The Bills have done that. That's why they lost to Jacksonville. You know, the Chiefs have done it most times. So, like, Raiders, you know. That's also a divisional matchup, and they play each other with more aggression than potentially another team would. 
It's a divisional. It's the same thing with the Bills in Miami. Same thing with the Bills and the Jets. Bills in New England. You think people haven't done that with Cleveland, the Jets, the Lions? I mean, come on, Evan. Be realistic here. What do you mean, be realistic? Dude, it's... Some it's, teams it's, it's, do not look at other teams and say, oh, wow, they're a big threat. We really got to prep up for this. Yeah, maybe there's some time no, that goes into prep, it. they have to prep, because it is their there, job. There's it's, probably it's, a two days that they do you're prep, telling me, but you're there's telling other me the days Buffalo, that you're they me the look Bills ahead. don't prep into their... They're, they're, they're Why did they lose every... to Jacksonville? Because they got outperformed. Why did they lose to the Steelers? Because they got outperformed. No, the they looked ahead. Up. They looked ahead. You can't say that. You don't know. You're not in the locker room. I, I can take that as a media outpouring. I can. No, it's, it's I can make that assumption. The, yeah, I can make a, assumptions no, in the media, no. Evan. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't know. Well, I know that. How you know they spent their whole week doing videos, watching film? You don't. Because You're not that's there what they're either. Paid Hold on to a do. That's Can what I they jump in here. Yeah. Yes, so, Tanner, be the voice of reason. I'll tr- I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I maybe this doesn't go for every team, but look at look at Bill Belichick. Did you see what he said earlier this week? He went on like a seven minute, one thousand word monologue on how good the Chicago Bears are, and we know the Bears aren't good so that would be me playing devil's advocate is saying you know and maybe that's just a bill belichick thing like belichick is known for going out of his way to gas up players and teams that aren't good but he'll make them sound like the best team in the league so that's what i would offer well i mean i mean there's a reason for that belichick plays into that uh sense of you know complimenting other teams because he doesn't want to light a fire under the other team's uh, belly, you know, when players come out and say something about a person or do something on a logo, you know, teams get fired up from that and show why you shouldn't do those things and shut your mouth. You know, that happened with Tyreek Hill and Eli Apple. Yes, Tyreek won the receiving battle, but he they didn't win the game. Uh, Juju, you remember when y'all danced on everybody's logos, lost those games pretty easy. I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's competitive fire, that's competitive spirit. When you see someone, you know, disrespecting your team or saying something about you, yeah, you're going to take aggression and some sort of grudge to that. Exactly. Like, so like, Bill does the opposite and says complete, you know, good things so they don't really gain, like, you know, a personal vendetta against Bill for saying what he said. You know, like, oh, this team isn't that good. You know, we're supposed to roll over. Well, he mean, doesn't do that. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like, also, I mean, every team in the NFL, no matter how good you are or no matter how bad you are, simply put, you can game plan for a team all week long on what they have done throughout the preseason, training camp, and regular season. But at the end of the day, if that team shows up on Sunday better than you and puts on-field production better than you, and comes out with better results, that team simply will win. No matter how talented they are, no matter how good they are, if they capitalize... No matter how much film they watched, no matter how much time that they do other things. Well, no, no, it's it's all about how you show up on Sunday. It really is. I mean, I'm sure Josh Allen and the Bills game-planned tremendously for the Jags game, as they do for every single game. But the Jaguars capitalized on one of our weaknesses that game, and that was our offensive line. And Evan, I would attack that point, and they beat us in that game, and they played better than us. So I'm gonna give them that credit. I same I, with I, the Steelers; they capitalized on one play, 
and ran away with it. A blocked punt. They didn't play better than us offensively, but they capitalized on certain moments that we didn't capitalize on. So they had a better result that Sunday. Evan, I would like to take you back to last season of the Buffalo Sabres. What happened after the Winter Classic uh, with the interviewee from the Maple Leafs? We should have lost to that Sabre team. No offense, but we're better than them. Because Because Dan, they Dan, overlooked them. No, Dan, Yes, Dan, that doesn't happen season, if Dan, you are wait. focused on them 100% of the time. Dan, you, you want to know why they said they're better than us? Because they, because end, they were. No, no, Dan. They're 100% better Dan, than us. They ended the season with 50 more points than us in the standings. They had Stanley Cup aspirations. Our team had rebuilding aspirations. They know as of right now that they are in a completely different spot. Evan, Evan, you're just proving my point. You're just saying that... They can do that because they yeah, we what, had what, less what, points. What, That's my point. Yeah, teams do that do because other teams have worse records. Thank you, Evan, for agreeing. I'm so glad we could come to an agreement. No, Dan, like no, your point's like not even fully remotely corrected of what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is the National Hockey League and any team can win. Any game. It does not matter um how much you game plan for them. Simply put Hockey can be scored in a variety of ways. We literally scored by throwing a puck from the side of the, the goal line. You can't game plan for that. It just happens. It's just how the sport is played. I'm sure Toronto game plans for us. You know, they watch film on our latest game, and they've watched film from the latest times we've played them. They didn't overlook us. They went into that game trying to win it. You think they just went into that game playing 65% saying, ah, we're going to do it? And, yes. And speaking of an interview... Ilya Labushkin came from Toronto. He says the Sabres played us hard all the time. We didn't like playing the Sabres. They were one of the... Because he's on the Sabres. Okay, of course but, he's going to okay, say but, that. But, he's but, being paid by the okay, organization but, but Dan, now. If that point, if him saying that is true, and you're not saying it's when true... When did he say that? Can I ask you that? When did he say when that? He got here. You when he got here. When he got here. When he got okay. put on Terry Pagula's payroll to be paid okay, but, millions but, but, but Dan, of dollars to play assume, hockey. You can't assume from a Toronto uh, Maple Leafs interview that they overlooked us, but then crack down on Ilya Labushkin. Because he was a saber at this Dan, point now. You're just, you're just throwing Evan, out that, random... That makes no sense to me now. What you... you're, you're telling me that a former player who is not on that team's payroll anymore said that, oh, the sabers were good. He can say whatever he wants. He's now part of the organization. He's now getting paid by Terry Pagula. Okay, okay. Dan, if he is part of the organization now, he could have easily said that, yeah, while I was in Toronto... We didn't take the Sabres No, seriously. he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. He's not on our payroll. He's you not, know he's how not, many people that payroll. would take. He's you know how many payroll. people that would take off in the locker room. I mean, half of that team from last season: Skinner, Tuck, Cousins. That doesn't have to do with anything. So Wait, many no, 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 people no, 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 would no. be ticked at no, Labushkin no, and Adams for bringing in Labushkin if he said no, that. No, he didn't. I will no. definitely one hundred percent say that that the locker room would no. be lost at that moment. Well, that's not how hockey locker rooms work. I I know how they work because uh, I've been in them my entire life. Secondly, if Ilya Labushkin said that, that doesn't point directly towards him. That just you know, would point to the coaches and the other players in the management in the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. If anything, that would spark the Sabres' butt up. That would make them even want to go back out and, you know, beat Toronto's, you know what, even harder, even more. Like, 
like, Dan, like the Toronto Maple Leafs just don't go, oh, man, it's a Tuesday at 5.30. We have to play the Buffalo Sabres today. Oh, man, not it's not going to be that tough of a game. Well, we only got to play them four times this year. Oh, man. Dan, they go to every game with the same intensity and the same game plan. Their goal is to try to win the game with, you know, 100% um, intensity and aggression. They're not going to just go into a game and just lollygag it and, you know, treat it like a birthday party where they're there just to say hi to a couple people and leave out the door five minutes later. <laughs> like, I think that's their goal. Like, Why wouldn't they want to do that? Dan, I mean, did, did you not watch the Sabres-Toronto Maple Leafs games last year? Like, both teams played aggressive. They played with high intensity and a lot of compassion. Okay, was, so you're telling me during the game that you know, people don't get saddened by goals being allowed or being down by a couple of points. Yes, you know, that's you, how sports work. You you, you like, don't think that the aggression would change? I mean, I mean, Dan, if you are tied one to one, and the opposing team scores a goal on you to make it two to one, you can either go down quickly, or you can have an intensity to come back and be better. And I'm just gonna say this. The Buffalo Sabres this year has ma- have matched goals very well. When they have went down 2-1, to one, when they have went down 3-2, to two, guess what? They have came back in about a minute and tied that game back up. Guess what the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't do last year? They didn't do that because the Sabres were applying heavy pressure and aggression all game long and made it uncomfortable for the Maple Leafs to play that game. The Maple Leafs went up 1-0 into the Heritage Classic. What did the Sabres do? They came back and said, hey, we're going to flip a switch, and you're not going to turn it back on because we are going to keep putting our foot on the pedal and keep revving this engine, and just we're going to keep going down the road, and until we get to the stop sign, we will stop. And guess what? The Sabres, I don't even think, reached a stop sign that game. Uh, maybe at the end of the 60 minutes that was played, they just kept on you know, moving and trucking along. So you got to credit the Sabres on that. We put the Maple Leafs in an uncomfortable spot. They came into the game 100%. We just kind of drained their battery a little bit like a phone. We were kind of just using them up, using them up, using them up. And at the end of the day, they needed to be charged back up for the next game. We, we got the better of them. I mean, that, that's all it is. I don't know. I, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You're good, man. Uh, you know, I, I still think that they overlooked us. That's just how I take it. That's how I take most games that, you know, a a favorite does not win. I mean, like, when, Dan, when me and Tanner go over the NFL games later today, I bet you we're going to talk long about the Panthers versus Buccaneers game. I, I Okay. I mean, I mean that game. Simply put, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the full game, but that was that's just a whole other conversation for another day or another time. Sorry, but I'm, I'm just saying in sports, you can't just say like every game teams are looking over the Sabers. Like at some point, I'm not time, saying every game. I'm at not, some point in time, I say some games like against really good teams. At some point in times, we also need to look at the fact that over the last two to three months of the regular season from last year and to now, the Sabres aren't the same team they were in the first 50 games, and they're different. Their record doesn't show it, their overall record, but the way they've been playing and the way they've been handling themselves on and off the ice is, you know, kind of reflective of what some of these better teams do. Are we there yet? No, we're not. But you, you're, you're like, from what I'm seeing, you're, you're in that mindset of, oh, the Sabres are still bad. These Stanley Cup contending teams are just going to still overlook us. No, that's that's not what's going on. The, what's going on is 
teams now have saw the Sabres playing at a different level that they haven't in the past, and they're respecting us. They're game planning for us harder than they probably were game planning for us in the past. Evan, this is probably the first time the NHL or any team in the NHL has decided to do more things I to mean, prepare we're, for we're, the Sabres. I mean, I mean, Dan, we had literally a, a top 15 player in Jack Eichel for how many years? You're, you just don't think they were game planning for that team? Like Jack- You can't eliminate a player. Most it's like Bill can, Belichick. You, you can't eliminate it's hard, what it's works It's hard best. to eliminate a player in hockey compared to football. Except when it's uh, us going up against McDavid. We can eliminate him. <laughs> it, exactly. It, it's, it's really hard to eliminate a player in, in the NHL. It's I mean, hard say, to, say but it's possible. Yeah, but like at the same time, you can't just game plan for one player because eh, look at that. Other players are wide open. So, Well, I mean, not if you look at the Sabres a couple of years ago, right? All you had to worry about was their first line, which was Skinner. Michael Reinhardt. That was it at that time. Um, you know, well, the, the other losing. lines did not mesh together. Ryan O'Reilly didn't want to be here anymore. Uh, Middlestead had to step into that second center role. You know, I just don't think teams had a sense of, I don't know, fear. I would say fear I'd say of, they had some of fear. the Sabres like they did in the past than now. Well, yeah, because... We have more players. We have four lines that can score on you at any given time. So you're telling me that, you know, teams just looked at the first line and said, oh, no, yeah, the game plan we, got, the we got 100% go all out all week to prepare for one line of the Sabres. No, they game plan for all four lines. I'm saying we really only had one line that could consist- consistently score on you. But again, hockey. Right, so you stop that line. If you stop that line, then we did nothing. No, that's not completely true because, again, the Sabres. You just said they no, no, were no, no, the no. most consistent line at that time. That no, was it. Dan, Dan, listen. Hockey is a game of 82 games. Anything can go. Anything can happen. A fourth line could have three points one night compared to the first line having zero. The Sabres just weren't consistent enough to do that. But when you go into a hockey game, you have to game plan for four lines. I am just saying that the Sabres only really had one consistent line. If you go back and look throughout the years, yes, there are some games where our third and fourth lines won us games because some teams were you know, potentially only looking at our first line. But you have to game plan for all four lines. Now, maybe they, they spent more attention on the first line than the other three lines. That's rightfully fair. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. But at the end of the day, if you, you know, control your attention to one line, the other three are going to light you up. I mean, that's just how hockey's going to work. If you're going to not put attention on one line, they're going to light you up. I mean, that's just that's just how it's simply put. So my last point before we get to break, because we are coming up on that time. I, I'm looking, Tanner. Don't worry. Um, so you're telling me that teams were looking at one line but overlooking the other three. Not every game, but I'm, I'm, yeah, potentially sure. Maybe one, maybe one or a couple times over the season, teams were putting a hundred percent compared to their ninety percent in the others. So seventy-five percent of the team was overlooked. Compare, okay, Dan. When you're go- <laughs> no, 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 Dan, Dan, dude. When you're going into a game, if you have Connor McDavid, I'm getting more feared of Connor McDavid than uh, Curtis Lazar. I mean, that's just just how it is. Like. I mean, it's the top players get the top respect. That's it's not saying completely. Yeah, we are. We're gonna simply overlook all these other lines because of this one line. It's yeah, this line's gonna get more attention because of who's on it. We had Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel 
in the 2019-2020 season was a top 10 player. And guess what? He demanded respect from other teams, and he got it. And, you know, he still had a good year. He still produced, even with that respect. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's just what it is in general. I mean, yeah, sure. Teams are going to look at the top line because it's the top the top line. <laughs> I mean, but you still have to account for the bottom three. All right, uh, boy, <laughs> that was uh, that was something there. Keeping my voice nice and spry and having to use it for the past fifteen or twenty minutes. But all right, let's take a break, and then when we come back, I think we can all agree that we've gotten our fix on hockey for the day. So we'll start talking about some football. So stick around for that here on the Blitz on ninety-one point three FM WBNY. Buffalo coming back on the counter. Casey Middlestat's got a man. Olofsson wide open. Oh, and Demko can't get to that one. Sabres come right back, and they get their third as Victor Olofsson gives the Sabres the two-goal lead for sure this time. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY, and we are back here for the uh, second half of the first hour. Had quite the... Uh, the discussion, the hockey discussion, if you missed out on the first half hour between uh, Evan Harrington and Double D. But now we don't have to worry about that because Evan Harrington has left the building. It's gotten to our, our favorite time here on Mondays. It's the Tan and Dan show. And uh, let's talk some good old-fashioned American football. So, oh, yeah, baby. Tan and Dan show. All right. Well, you mentioned it during that uh, hockey segment there, so I guess we'll talk about this game first. Maybe the biggest shock of the weekend: the Carolina Panthers upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty-one to three. I mean, where what what is going on out there in Tampa? I who knows? Who I, I mean, I just think all of Brady's personal problems are affecting his play. I don't even, I, I think it's like a combination, a little bit of old age. And then like all the personal problems are just ramping up and he's just had enough. I mean, remember the dude went to a wedding instead of doing practice with the, with his team. So, um, I, I think there's like some curse that whenever the media says, Oh, yeah, the Panthers are rebuilding, or a certain team is rebuilding. The next week, it always seems like they either come close to winning or they win. Every time. Um, you know, the Panthers just kind of, I, I think they got a lucky win. I I don't think the Buccaneers were ready for a Panthers offense without Christian McCaffrey and having P.J. Walker, who may be the full-time starter now. Um, you know, Darnold's so hurt. Baker is still hurt, and he's proven. I mean, he got one. He's got the same amount of wins as Baker, but in just one game. So, um, I I really think that the Buccaneers, either the Buccaneers or Brady's, gotta rethink what they're doing and get back on track, especially on a short week. Man, it's just this is the first time that uh, Tom Brady has been below 500 this far into a season since 2002. I mean, they just got completely outclassed yesterday. Did you see one of the early plays of the game? Mike Evans just wide open. I mean, he had nobody within 10 yards of him and just whoop, just dropped a wide-open touchdown. Yeah, I that mean, that that's either got to be... Uh, I, I either got to think you're Butterfingers or you're, you were just not prepared to get the ball at all um because 
as we all know, I think everybody knows, Mike Evans is one of the top 10 receivers in the league. And uh, this game, he kind of looked like uh, bottom 50 uh, at at this point. But um, either the Bucs are going to need to change something with their offensive scheme or because their defense is doing fine. I, I, I give credit to their defense. They're still one of the best defenses in the league. Yes, they allow 21 points, but it's not like they got help from their offense. You know, they were tired going drive after drive after drive, you know, because the the Bucks were just going three and out on offense all the time. I mean, they it was punt after punt after punt after punt after punt after punt until like one touchdown uh, by Carolina, you know, it, it was really uh, a punt battle for all the ages. Absolutely, and is the, there there might be a little cause for concern for Tampa Bay. I mean, we know obviously Tom Brady's age; he's forty five years old. Listen to the amount of pass attempts that he's had in every game since Week Two: forty two, fifty two, fifty two, forty, and forty nine, and. They're they're still losing all these games. Like, you know, if a guy you have a guy like Josh Allen and you know he throws you know forty mid to low to mid forties, maybe high forties or low fifties in pass attempts, you know, you're not too worried about that. But a forty five year old who's already, who's already thrown you know a bajillion passes in his career to just have him slinging the lo- the rock like that every week, maybe it's finally starting to catch up with him. I mean, Brady's been you know this Iron Man throughout his career and. You know, just hasn't really dealt with injuries or anything. It show no signs of slowing down. But with all this, you know, strain that's being put on his arm, maybe it's finally starting to catch up with him. Did he really want to sacrifice everything for a mediocre season? I don't think so. Uh, because he's lost a lot in the past couple of months. Uh, not only in the uh, loss column, but just, you know, outside, like I said, you know, wife divorces him. Um, you know, doing other things that normal players do not do during the season. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think all the blames got either be on, I, I think it's gotta be on Brady. It, it just can't go any other way. He's missing easy passes. Um, he's hitting deep ones, but they just can't get anything going. It seems like Leonard Fournette mysteriously disappeared yesterday and, um, yeah, I I just don't know what the Bucks can change. I mean, luckily, they're in the worst division in the league right now. So, you know, you kind of get saved by that. Mm, and you got to give got to give credit to P.J. Walker, man. I mean, he played good. He completed a high percentage of his passes. He went 16 to 22 at 177 passing yards, two touchdowns. You know, he didn't turn the football over. You know, he leaned on the run game, which, all right, I guess clearly Christian McCaffrey was holding back the Carolina Panthers because they go one and five with him and then win their first game without kidding, obviously. But Deontay Foreman ran the ball well, went over 100 yards. Chuba Hubbard had 60 yards and a touchdown. They just... They outplayed them. They they wanted it more. They must have that chip on their shoulder. You know, nobody expected them to win probably coming in the game, and they got it done. So hats off to the Panthers and Bucks. The team and fans are down horrendous. Certainly, you can file this game away in the uh, Tom Brady really came out of retirement to do this. But uh, moving on, the Baltimore Ravens, they finally held on late. They beat the Cleveland Browns 20-23. to 
surprisingly, I guess, that the, they were able to hold on, but they did nonetheless, and they move up to 4-3. and three. The Browns drop to 2-5, and five, and Deshaun Watson can't, uh, can't come back any sooner for them. One thing I'll say about this game is, it could have it could have been better, but you know Dan consulted the Oracle, yours truly, for some fantasy advice before the game, and boy, I was holding my breath for a little bit because Kareem Hunt was just getting completely stonewalled. He had a touchdown, but he still got completely just was non-existent. Five carries for four yards. Luckily, he had that touchdown. I think you would have been slightly better off going with Brian Robinson, but at least Kareem got the touchdown, and at least he didn't go with. A.J. Dillon, because there was somebody in your Twitter mentions that was like, no, go with A.J. Dillon, but I think Kareem yeah. Hunt was right in the middle there, so I didn't totally sell you No, there, no, but... you you were off by uh, three points, maybe a little less, like two point something. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't have a good fantasy week. Uh, too many players on by that are starters for me. Uh, you know, my, my quarterback was out, my running back number two, um, my top flex guy, my defense, you know, it just all stockpiled. It doesn't help when uh, Joe has uh, Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones. Yeah, that'll do it. Doesn't help. The, the, that that killed me. That that really just killed me. I, I had my worst week since week one. So, you know, um, whatever. Look into next week. I'm done talking about fancy. <laughs> I'm done. I don't even want to. I I bet you on Wednesday, Joe will probably like want to talk about it, and I will give him no option to. <laughs> it just turned his mic off at that point. Exactly. That's <laughs> probably what will happen. All right. So, but um, back on topic. Yep. There back you go. on topic. Yeah. I I went into the depressing state. Sorry. Um, th- this game, Baltimore is lucky. There, there's no other way to say it. Except for a false start penalty, they have been saved again. Um, honestly, this was probably one of the worst games of the week. Um, just in the sense of Lamar not looking like Lamar. Browns, you know, almost doing the comeback like everybody's done this year against the Ravens. Um I, I did think it was funny that Lamar actually for one play was lined up as running back. I, I did think that was actually pretty funny. It's like, oh, wow, they finally listened to us. He is better back there. Um, But, yeah, Lamar cannot have these types of games if they want to keep moving forward. And if he really wants to get a good contract, uh, he only had – uh, nine completions on 16 attempts for 120 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, that almost looks to me like a Zach Wilson line. No offense to Zach Wilson, but I've seen that too many times to, you know, compare it to anybody else. Luckily, their their run game was on point to at least drain the clock, but yeah, the Ravens have got to do better if they want to win more games. You know how yesterday was National Tight Ends Day? It was. Mike, or excuse me, Mark Andrews never got the memo. He didn't no. record a single catch. The only His most impactful play of the game was when he lined up under center and pitched it to Lamar on that play like you were talking about. But uh, No, he actually got some running yards. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah, he got like four yards rushing. Yeah, four yards rushing. That was it. Hmm. Yeah, he got .04. Okay, so he wasn't completely... Or point. In- Four, sorry. 
He wasn't completely invisible yesterday on National Tight Ends Day, but he wasn't exactly... Uh, he was completely useless. Yeah, he. Uh, that was kind of weird. You would have thought like that anyone else, like Tommy Tremble, caught the first touchdown yesterday for a tight end in the NFL. You would have thought anyone else but Tommy Tremble, but nope, it was the uh, the Panthers tight end there. And Mark Andrews did not uh, not make his stamp on National Tight Ends Day. The next game, the Cincinnati Bengals... They're right back on track. They walloped the Atlanta Falcons 35-17. to <laughs> Joe Burrow was spectacular. He had 501 total yards and four touchdowns. They almost had all their, well, their three starting receivers almost all cross the century mark. Jamar Chase had eight for a buck 32 touchdowns, eight for 155 and a touchdown for Tyler Boyd, five for 93 for Higgins. They were firing on all cylinders yesterday with the Bengals. Yeah, this was a game the Bengals needed to win because now they're back tied, or, or they're still tied with Baltimore, um, but they gained that little bit more separation away from the Browns and the Steelers because they had a terrible start, so this is kind of, you know, it's looking nice that their offense is picking up, they're doing things well again. I mean, like you said, yeah, almost all three of their star receivers had over 100 yards um I did like this one quote I forget exactly who said it but it was about Tyler Boyd being open for that 60 yard touchdown and um they asked him how open was Tyler Boyd and he said but booty naked (laughs) I'm like where did that come from oh no that's but it's it's a great quote it's going in the quote book um but uh, it's good to see the Bengals get a win, especially with the Falcons team that is meh, is really meh. They're doing better than expected, but, you know, they don't have any big playmakers to, you know, say, oh, yeah, they definitely should have been closer. No. Mm-hmm. The uh, you wouldn't you might not think this just, you know, just thinking off the cuff, but Joe Burrow has now three of the four highest passing yards in a single game since the start of last season. He has the most with 525 from uh, week 16 in 2021. He had 481 yesterday, and then he has the fourth highest with 446 yards. He did that in week 17 of 2021. And he's the first quarterback, actually, in NFL history with multiple 500 total yard four total touchdown performances in his career well that's pretty impressive and you know he got off to that rough start on the season he had four interceptions in the first game but since only one interception and 16 touchdowns so maybe the Bengals are starting to to figure it out now uh I would just like to say on that point Josh Allen would probably be doing better if he does not get pulled in the third quarter all the time that's fair yep there, there is some doubt to that. Like, oh, Allen probably could have had 500 yards against the Steelers. Yeah, that's, that's you true. know, but good for good for Burrow. You know, he's proving why he's still a good up and coming quarterback, and why you know moving forward he's going to be a top guy in this league. Yes, sir. And also Jamar Chase, he became the second fastest player 
to reach 2,000 receiving yards in the Super Bowl era, trailing only Odell Beckham Jr. I guess I'll just go go over all the uh, the niche stats that I have for this game, which they're cool, but do they really make a difference? Um, players in recorded NFL history of 450-plus passing yards, 3-plus passing touchdowns, 80-plus completion percentage, and a rushing touchdown all in the same game, Joe Burrow. Uh, Burrow, let's see... He broke Dan Marino's record of four 400-yard passing games in the first three seasons of his career. And, yeah, that's about it. So congratulations to the Bengals. They uh, they looked good yesterday, got a win, got back on track. And also they became the uh, the third NFL team in the last 50 years to go seven straight games without allowing a second-half touchdown. And right on that, Dan, you got Twitter open? I do. Our our man, the man, the myth, the legend, just hosted Dude. the nightcap the other night on WGR. Exactly. Mr. Evan D. Pasquale. Thoughts on the Colts benching Matt Ryan? Do we want to just skip to the Colts-Tennessee game then? Sure, we'll talk about that game because Matt Ryan was kind of a disaster. The Colts lost 10-19 to to the Tennessee Titans, falling to 3-3-1 on the season. The Titans moved to 4-2. Uh, maybe I should give... We should uh, give the Titans a little bit of an apology because maybe some thought that, you know, the Colts were, you know, the favorite in that division, but the the Titans still showing that they clearly have a step ahead. Matt Ryan was 33 of 44 for 243 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Obviously, they lost the game, and now it's come out. Um, Frank Reich announced today that Sam Ellinger is going to be the Colts' starting quarterback moving forward and that the move is for him to start the remainder of the season. Matt Ryan is dealing with some type of shoulder injury, but it sounds like uh, this decision was performance-based and not um, not because of the shoulder injury. So, I mean, obviously it's a bad look, I think, benching Matt Ryan because, you know, you've we've seen the quarterback carousel that Indianapolis has been going through you know, ever since Andrew Luck left. I mean, you're talking about Jacoby Brissett, um, you know, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. And now you've now given up a first and two third-round picks for quarterbacks that aren't even playing anymore. So it's a bad look, but, you know, I don't think you should start Matt Ryan just because, you know, you gave up this pick and, you know, you got to make it work. If you think you have something, you know, better underneath him, then there's no sense in trotting out Matt Ryan out there. Obviously, you know, the guy's 35-plus years old. He's not the future. So, you know, it's not a great look. Like I said, you know, giving up all these picks for guys that aren't even playing anymore. But don't just try and force it to work if it's not working. Like, clearly... You know, Matt Ryan is not the answer. He's turning the ball over at an exorbitantly high rate. He's just not playing well. So, you know, why not see what the young guys got? Who knows? You know, he might be the, the spark that they need. It's questionable, but, you know, clearly uh, we've, we've seen the on-field product with Matt Ryan, and it's not going to cut it. I mean, they've now, you know, lost, you know, two games to the team that is most likely going to win the division. So they have to find, you know, something and try and keep pace, you know, in that division. Yeah, I I really wonder, was this a Frank Reich decision or an owner decision at this point? Because I I don't think um, Jim Ursay is very happy with how the Colts have been doing with this QB carousel uh, idea. I mean, yeah, Carson Wentz was most likely um, Reich's deal. You know, I really want Wentz, but uh, Matt Ryan... 
you know, coming in after having a bad season with the Falcons. And you would think, oh, maybe you still got it. I mean, the Falcons did not have a good receiving core. You put Michael Pittman with him. You have a dominant running back in Jonathan Taylor. Um, you you even have Alec Pierce, your second-round pick, who's looking really good. What, what, you, what do you mean we can only score 10 points? against the Titans who do not have that great of a defense as we know as Bills fans. Wait, what what do you mean? And what I mean is is that they're either not using Jonathan Taylor enough. I know he's just coming off the injury, but ten carries for fifty eight yards and even their last game against the Titans he was horrible. Jonathan Taylor's not looking the same. Their offensive line is not the same. Um, either that with injuries or just, um, you know, how they're setting them up. Uh, but either way, it's being horrible. And then Matt Ryan just not performing. You know, you, you trade for this guy, you know. You get him from the Falcons because the Falcons thought they were getting Deshaun Watson. So they were pretty set on getting rid of Matt Ryan. And now you're benching him for a guy you drafted, I believe, two years ago. Congratulations, Colts. You are the only team to ever do this, of being this idiotic to trade for a guy, bench him, going into week eight? Yep. Yeah, week eight. Jeez, time flies. Um, But benching him halfway through the season while you still have playoff hopes, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, put him in there. Um, I even feel bad for Nick Foles. Nick Foles might have had a chance to start for once again and show why he's a good quarterback. Because Foles does do well when he's just put into random spots. He does very well. But um, the weird thing is, too, I've heard from Twitter and other places that, you know, Matt Ryan's not even going to be active. It's supposed to be that Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback number two. Um, is there a trade that that's the only thing I can think of that there's a trade being worked right now and they just don't want him to do anything. I I mean, I don't know what team would need a quarterback at this time and moment going off the top of my head, but I, I, this is really either a desperation throw by Frank Reich to keep his job for one more year or this was a complete owner decision to say overhaul everything you know stop the press we're we're changing we're changing everything it's just not getting it done I don't think it's an indictment on Frank on Frank Reich at all I mean look at all the quarterbacks they've had you know ever since Andrew Luck Brissett Rivers Wentz Ryan and now going to Ellinger like that it's impossible to have sustained success when you're, you know, doing this quarterback carousel. But, you know, even with that said, I think it was the right move. I mean, Matt Ryan, his arm just looks shot this season. You know, he's got the most interceptions in the NFL with nine. He's taken the most sacks in the NFL with 24. He's fumbled 11 times, lost two of them. So his 12 total turnovers are most in the NFL. Like, it was just it was the right decision. I mean, you're just beating a dead horse, no pun intended, trying to trot Matt Ryan out there every week and expecting, you know, things to change. So Sam Ellinger, the man moving I, forward. I for mean, the Indianapolis Colts. Tanner, could you think of a trade that could go down involving Matt Ryan? 
right now? No, they're probably just going to, you know, cut him out right then at the end of the Then why season. the heck did you trade for him? Why? I, I mean, I get it. There's his name factor. But you should have known what you were getting yourself into. I, I get it. It worked with Philip Rivers getting him for the one year. And, you know, at the time, and still, I, I mean, it was his last year. He was very old at that point. You know, he went on one little run before the Bills ended it. But. You know, can it be Frank Wright's fault? A little. I, I think there's some way that it's a little bit of Frank Wright's fault. And it's just because the offense is not clicking. I don't know. I, I mean, the the thought is with Ellinger coming in is that maybe it was the QB that was wrong for this offense. Maybe we needed a different guy in there. Um, but I, I don't, I think if the Colts have a losing record this season... Reich's gone. I I really believe that because Jim Irsay is not a guy to wait around and, you know, have you going on for years and years without a good, you know, franchise quarterback. I mean, that's why they had Peyton. Um, Andrew Luck was their franchise guy. Um, if Philip Rivers probably could have played one or two more years, you know, he would get a boatload of money. Uh I did like this tweet from uh, Joe DiBiase, though. Uh, ben Roethlisberger coming out, comes out of retirement in three, two, one. No you're, you're just waiting for it. It's it's now like speculate everything and expect nothing. Boy, if you think Matt Ryan's bad, you think trotting Ben Roethlisberger out there is going to make it even make anything better? It might be worse than Matt Ryan. I mean, he can't move. He can't throw. Neither can Matt Ryan. So Drew Brees. Drew Brees may, I mean. Well, Drew Brees can't move or throw either. His arm was a noodle. By well, the most of the old people year. can't move or throw either. What are you going to do? What, who, what, you're going to go out there look for Johnny Manziel? That's why you put the young gun in there. That's why you <laughs> go to Ellinger. All right, uh, let's take a break. and we come back, we'll continue our carousel around the NFL. So stick around for more of the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. Play of the game right now. Heineke hit as he throws. Launches. It is caught. Terry McLaurin holds on. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo. I am your host, Tanner Saunders, still joined by Double D, Dan Dale. It's the Tan and Dan Show. And let's uh, talk about that game right there. That was Taylor Heineke putting the dagger in the Packers yesterday as the Commanders won that game 23-21. to Man, I that's like the only 1 o'clock game that I picked right yesterday. We made our game picks on Friday. I picked the Commanders, and everyone was surprised, to say the least. They were looking at me sideways, but somehow I picked that one, and the Commanders did it. I don't know, man. Taylor Heineke, it's just... When he is thrust into action against the league's best quarterbacks, that's when he plays his best. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in the playoffs, and he just knocked off Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, which, conveniently, we have to play them uh, next week, do the Bills, so that'll be interesting. But, boy, they're just... they're not Things are not looking too good out there right now in Green Bay. Not at all. I mean, you finally got your running backs involved. You know, Aaron Jones has had such a down year. Well, you got a running back involved. Yeah, a, a running back involved. Sorry, just one. 
Um, but Rodgers needs a number one wide receiver. I I really think they're going to make a big move at the trade deadline. Um, either DJ Moore, you know, uh, Odell, so, somebody huge that's on the trade block because they they need somebody. Trade trade for Devontae Adams back, <laughs> you know, at this point. It, it, it just seems like Rodgers cannot perf- – like Rodgers is doing decent, but – Without the separation that Adams had or taking away the number one corner like Adams did, it's not allowing, you know, like an Alan Lazard or a Sammy Watkins or a Romeo Dobbs. I mean, Romeo Dobbs has been pretty invisible for the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't even get a, get, get a catch wet this week or yesterday. Um, Amari Rogers got a catch before Romeo Dobbs. Samori Toure had a catch, and, and Romeo Dobbs did not. So, I I really think that you know Rogers cannot perform well without a number one wide receiver because that he he should you know this dude has won MVP so many times and you would think. Oh yeah, he's the MVP. He's gonna do fine, you know. He he knows what to do. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. Do not trust him in any way, shape, or form. Because the defense is still doing decent. I mean, they allowed twenty three points, but you know, is that part of the thing that the offense has not helped them as much this season? And I think that's a a key thing that, you know, they I, I mean they punted five times yesterday. Green Bay, um, you know the punter had more yards in the uh, more punting yards than Aaron Rodgers had throwing yards. That that's pretty bad. Two hundred eight to one ninety four. That that's pretty bad. Um, but good on Ron Rivera and the Commanders and Heineke able to transition like they did. Um, I really thought Heineke was going to be a bust in this game just coming off the bench. But, you know, like they say, most backups are, you know, get in for one or two games. If they can win the the one or two games that they're active, you know, it makes a whole difference. Um, you know, th- this win kind of questions, do you need Carson Wentz? Um, I know we just talked about Matt Ryan. Uh, trade Matt Ryan for Carson Wentz. Maybe that's the <laughs> one idea I can get out yeah. from it. Bring Carson back. Because at least you won more games with Carson at this point. That's right. Just but uh, you with the Colts. That, you imagine that phone call? Like, yeah, about that Carson Wentz trade. We kind of messed up. <laughs> Would you mind just, like, Taylor Heineke's playing well. Like, do you mind sliding him back our way? Yeah, you don't need him. He's injured anyway. What are you going to do with him? Man, who who would have thought both P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke are only a couple years removed from being in the XFL, and then yesterday they just casually go out and beat um, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, respectively. Who had that on their bingo card? Because <laughs> I did not. Yeah, it really puts into perspective how old both Brady and Rodgers are, and do they really need to start, I, I mean, seriously now for Brady, but... Do they really need to think about retiring? Uh, because they're both three and four, and I think they're in a position they've never been in. 
with, you know, the Vikings kind of running the NFC North and somehow Brady still being in the NFC South. But, you know, it, it, it's just a thing at this point that, huh, maybe the game has evolved too much for us and we can't get production anymore. I think we just call it a career because Brady's got nothing to worry about. He's got that broadcasting deal with Fox, I believe. Uh, so, you know, he's pretty set. I, I don't think Rodgers will get a broadcasting deal too bad. But I wish he would have gotten the Jeopardy hosting gig. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, uh, he was a guest host because they were doing this whole after Alex Trebek died, the late great Alex Trebek, rest in peace. But after uh, he died, they did this whole revolving door of like celebrity guest hosts, and Rogers got his stint. And you best believe I watched every episode, and I thought he was good. I watched Jeopardy regardless, but I uh, oh I made sure to go out of my way to watch every episode where Aaron Rodgers was hosting. But I wish he would have got that. But I think that's uh, out of the question now because they got uh, Ken Jennings to be the full-time host but yeah that's unfortunate but boy Rogers got to find something because this whole this whole football thing is going kind of southward at the moment but you know they they can still make some uh, moves this season to help out and just put a band-aid over whether that's an Odell Beckham Jr. it seems unlikely that the uh, Panthers would move on from DJ Moore without getting significant assets in return but that's something that's on the table so I don't know at this point they used their first round pick so badly why not I mean just remember Jordan Love Eric Stokes you know the corner at this point it's like trade away your first round pick just just get a wide receiver I mean, you're not going to find, if you're going to trade your first-round pick for DJ Moore, it's unlikely what the Packers say they're picking in, like, the the low to mid-teens at the worst. Like, you're probably not going to find a receiver of DJ Moore's caliber, at least not right away. I mean, every, you know, maybe five years or so, you'll find that guy like Justin Jefferson that's taken, you know, with a 20-some-odd pick and then becomes one of the best receivers in the league. But realistically, that just isn't going to happen every year, so... I'm, I'm still amazed how equal that trade was. Oh, yeah, that was one of the rare win-win trades in the NFL. People people will say, oh, the Vikings won the trade. But, no, each team won for respective reasons. I mean, obviously, you know, the Bills got, you know, somebody who I thought at the time was a top-10 receiver. He just didn't get the um, – didn't get the targets to showcase that because obviously he was lined up alongside Adam Thielen, but the Bills, you know, got a top 10 receiver and, you know, he cemented himself as easily top five, if not top three, if not number one, um, you know, with his time in the Bills, he was a huge piece of Josh Allen's development. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen went from, you know, he had a, an okay sophomore season, but there was still that question about, you know, is he the guy? And then, you know, once Diggs comes along, there's no question that he's the guy. And then, you know, the Vikings, they get a budding superstar on a rookie contract for four years. So that was that was definitely a... um a win-win trade for both sides. And especially if, you know, the Bills can get a Super Bowl this season or in, you know future seasons then that's got to be one of the most even trades of all time now all right it's become a common theme where my phone doesn't like to cooperate so all right there we go nothing wants to cooperate with you today tanner the ads don't want to cooperate your phone doesn't want to cooperate what's next Technology just does not like me on Mondays. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the Detroit Lions 24-6. to The Dak is back, and he uh, 
led the Cowboys to victory. Zeke Elliott had two touchdowns, but that was about the um, the only thing. I, I'm with you, Dan. I could skip talking about fantasy football entirely this week because <laughs> didn't particularly go well. But that was one of the things that did go well for me. It wasn't enough, but Ezekiel Elliott, two touchdowns, and it's unfortunate to see the Detroit Lions lose because – I mean, through the first four games of the season, you know, they were averaging 35 points a game. They were on pace to be one of the best scoring offenses in NFL history. But in the following two weeks, they've scored a combined six points. Yeah, pretty sad. It's just coming back down to earth for the Lions. Um, I think a lot of people expected this. Uh, You know, when you have the worst defense in the league, you know, your offense keep, can't keep up all the times uh, because they still don't have DeAndre Swift. Amarase Brown got out with a concussion. DJ Chark is on IR. So you're telling me their top receiver is Josh Reynolds. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Great. Um, you know, Goff, there, there's a reason why Stafford is better than Goff because we Stafford can win games at this point. You know... I I won't be shocked at, I don't know if it would be like halfway through the season if it's like a really bad loss to Green Bay or Chicago or to the the Vikings, you know. Does Dan Campbell get fired during the season or do they wait till the end? Um, That's really the main discussion point right now for the Lions owners and higher-ups, Do, does Dan Campbell have what it takes to be a coach? I, I mean, I get it. I love his personality. I think anybody can, you know, say, oh, this dude has one of the weirdest but greatest personalities of any NFL head coach probably ever, but he just doesn't get the success. He doesn't get the wins, you know. You're, you're the Detroit Lions. I don't care how happy and how many kneecaps you bite off, but... If you don't get wins, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, maybe it would have helped if they would have had Amon Ross St. Brown on the field did the Detroit Lions, but he was ruled out with a concussion, or so they thought. Uh, or so they thought? Is yeah. this another back? Is this another back, Tanner? No, the team came out today and said that he actually did not have a concussion. He was the latest victim of the NFL's new concussion protocol, oh. where if any player exhibits ataxia or however you pronounce it the or the gross motor instability poor muscle control that can you know cause clumsiness or instability they're automatically taken out of the game no questions they looked at um the medical staff dan campbell said the medical staff looked at you know tape of him on the field and they took him out and it turns out he didn't even have a concussion so there you go sorry lions fans amon ross st brown was the uh, latest victim of the NFL's concussion protocol. Lions but, versus concussions. That's right. It's the whole NFL versus concussions. Yeah. I mean, but I guess, you know, in this uh in in this situation it's better to be um overreactive than underreactive. So it's when you're well, it's like concussions. A, it's like a fifty fifty thing. It's more like, you know, if he does get out of concussion protocol during the game but he gets held back because of the you know, walking funny or, you know, not having as much. Uh, I'm trying to find a word to it. Must control mm-hmm. over, you know, your walking or, you know, how you look. 
it's a hard blow because, you know, at at any point, what if Allen loves to run? We all know Allen loves to run. He takes those big hits. What if one of those big hits, he, you know, shakes cobwebs and they, they take him back for concussion and they say, oh, we didn't like him shaking his head. He's out for the rest of the game. Um, so it, it it really is at this point. Can you somehow get the guy who has maybe a head injury off the camera? <laughs> can, can you hide him away for a long enough time that they do not notice? That that's really the question now. <laughs> Let's just hope that situation never comes up and the Bills never have to deal with that. But you know, we don't even want to speak that into existence. But it's a fair concern. I mean, you're right, Josh. You know, runs a lot and he likes to initiate contact to put it that way so that's always you know something to be concerned about now this game oh boy who would have thought this game would have been so good the new york football giants are now six and one also who would have thought that they defeated the jacksonville jaguars 23 to 17 they recreated a one yard short from the rams titans super bowl in the early 2000s i almost felt like the one um chicago Bears Hail Mary that came up one yard short. Uh-huh. I remember that one. Yeah. But um yeah, what a good game. I I give I give them props both. It's a close game. You know, Jacksonville has had their downs um this season, you know, with a couple of games like against Philly. Um but you know, they show still showed promise. Um, Doug Peterson is a great coach. I bet he'll have a better second season with, you know, better players from free agency. I mean, I, I would think if Jacksonville was actually had a better record, Trevor Lawrence, Odell Beckham, uh, just saying, I know, I know they're not Super Bowl favorites, but still, if they look better, you never know, um, with Odell, but Brian Dable is coach of the year. We we can end the yeah. voting. Yeah. Um, I I don't even care if he loses out the the rest of the games at this point. Um, he he has made a giant team that everybody thought we're going to be down in the dumps with no no. Uh, I don't want to say like no no skill wide receivers, but no like big name wide receivers. You know, Wandale Robinson, Darius Slayton, Davis Stills. Um, I mean, Matt Breida even got in on the receiving side. Richie James. Uh, Bellinger, Daniel Bellinger. Prayers up to him. He suffered a nasty-looking eye injury yesterday. Got poked in the eye or something, apparently. Yeah, he has a fracture. Yep, fractured eye socket and I think maybe even fractured septum. But, boy... He might need surgery, just hopefully he's all right, because that's brutal. Ugh. Now, did the powers of Lamar Jackson go into Daniel Jones for this game? Yes, sir. Uh, that 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 is the main takeaway. Daniel Jones had 11 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. All Saquon Barkley owners are like, why? Why? <laughs> Out of all the people. Um, but, you know, give, give credit to Dave He's figuring figuring out a way to win with a underdeveloped Giants team. Uh, you know, Joe Judge did not do a good job. You know, neither did their GM of putting together a good team and, you know, Shine and or Shane and Dayball are 
making this team look like, you know, that's what they wanted all along. So it, it's very good to see that, you know, the Buffalo tree is starting. The Sean McDermott tree is starting. Uh, yes, I know Dable came from Bill Belichick at one point, but who cares about him? I think, you know, you talk about Daniel Jones. Is is he like the guy? Because, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, he's doing all this. You look at his receiving core. He's throwing to the likes of Darius Slayton, who's, you know, a good player. He's just kind of, kind of buried down in the depth chart for whatever reason. But he's been productive in the past. But outside of that, you've got rookie Wandale Robinson, David Sills, who's been like a fringe, you know. Practice squad the, player. Yeah, he's a practice squad guy. Maybe like end of the active roster. Richie James, who's been more of a return specialist throughout his career to this point. Marcus Johnson, who... Again, practice squad, maybe like your sixth or seventh wide receiver on the active roster. But he's he's playing well. You know, he's not being overly aggressive, like taking shots down the field, but he's playing within the, the structure of the offense. He's not turning the ball over, which has been, you know, a huge problem, particularly, you know, fumbling. But he's not throwing picks. He's not fumbling. Um, you know, he's running the ball well. You mentioned he had 100 yards yesterday, over 100 yards. Daniel Jones actually has the most or he's one of the league leaders in carries for 10 or more yards this season Nick Chubb is number one Lamar Jackson number two Josh Jacobs number three Saquon Barkley number four and Daniel Jones is number five so what world um, do we live in where that was actually a good what um I I still can't believe that Shine didn't take Hodgins or Gentry off the Bills practice squad with all their injuries that is the one thing I kind of expected. You know, they have injuries. They take off the Bills practice squad because, you know, they're they're practice squad guys. But at least they know them. You know, they, they know their uh, good points, their bad points, where to put them, how to work them into an offense. And they're, they're give, give them credit. They're working with the guys they got. Um, I, I don't know how much more of a high is left. I, I mean, I get it. I've been like a, a Giants downer for this whole season um you know part of that is because the giants were just horrible um you know they don't have a good roster on paper except for barkley um all their receivers are still injured but i mean they have a good shot to make it to the playoffs which is so funny to me they have the seahawks the texans the lions the cowboys two commanders games uh, two Eagles games, a Colts and a Vikings. And I bet you if they win at least, I don't know, five, four or five of those games, they're in. I, I mean, remember, this is the NFC, the NFC. You don't need that much to get into the playoffs. And with their, their season left, they have a pretty good shot. Could, could, uh, could Brian Dable pull a Sean McDermott? You know, winning, uh, going to your the playoffs in the first season. It's just, just crazy what the Giants have been able to do. And if we're talking about the NFC quarterbacks, who are Pro Bowlers going to be? I know this is off topic, but well, not all the way because Daniel Jones he might very well be in that conversation. I mean, maybe you're looking at like Kirk Cousins could be in the discussion. Um, Geno Smith. Geno, 
Um, but I mean, you know, people will still vote for Brady and Rogers yeah, because that's true. you know that's like the normal fan. Yep, they got the name recognition. But if we're talking about like actual like play, well, it actually really depends. Are they actually going to have fan voting this year? I don't know. If they do, I mean, I I'll tell you, my quarterbacks for the NFC, we're going Kirk, Geno, and Daniel Jones, and who would have thought we'd be? <laughs> what an that? odd lineup yeah. of Pro Bowl quarterbacks. <laughs> who would have thought we would have been saying that at the beginning of the season? But that's just the way um, things have unfolded this season. And you know what? I'm all for it. That's why we love the NFL because. Anything can happen. You can go from, you know, one year, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterbacks, and the next year, no, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones. Um, the the Raiders, as we, as expected, and we'll make this one nice and quick because we got to get to a break after this, but they beat the Houston Texans 38-20. to They got back on track. I mean, Davis Mills was solid. He had over 300 yards and two passing touchdowns, but the Raiders were just an absolute unit yesterday, particularly Josh Jacobs, who... Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't the Raiders. It was just Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he uh, did you in in fantasy yesterday, Double D, that's for sure. Still going to turn off Joe's mic tomorrow if he tries it. <laughs> that is the plan. Oh, man, but uh, the the Texans dropped to 1-4-1. and The Raiders... Up to to two and four, and you know, judging by the performance of their division mates, the Chargers yesterday, not not all that far out of it. We'll talk about that game next once we uh, come out of a break here. So stick around for the final half hour. We'll bring you home here on the Blitz on ninety one point three FM WBNY. And for those players individually, there's Walker on first down. Gets the edge. Walker down the oh, sideline. He's got the speed. Walker chugging down the sideline. Can he outrace Michael Davis? He can. <laughs> 74 yards. And Kenneth Walker may have just put it on ice for Seattle. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. That was Seahawks stud rookie running back Kenneth Walker putting the game on ice yesterday for the Seattle Seahawks. They picked up a win over the Los Angeles Chargers. They moved to 4 and 3 on the season and so do the Chargers. They fall to 4 and 3, 37 to 23, the final score in that game and the Seahawks, man, I don't know what it is. They just find a way. I mean, Kenneth Walker powered them to victory yesterday, but Geno Smith, he's been fantastic all season, but on the flip side for the Chargers, what is what is Brandon Staley doing? Like, you're going up against the 31st-ranked run defense in the NFL in Seattle. You might think, hey, you know, we got this Austin Eckler guy. Let's run the ball. No, they threw it 51 times with Justin Herbert. And I know, you know, Justin Herbert is, he's might have played himself out of that Allen and Mahomes conversation this year. You know, he hasn't been as good as you might have thought, but he's still a good quarterback. You know, you want him throwing the ball a lot, but... Maybe, Dan, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe some teams don't game plan because I feel like you would have looked at that and said, huh, 31st rush defense in the NFL, Austin Eckler, let's run the ball. But nope, they uh, threw it 51 times with Justin Herbert and took the L. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that is, yeah, well, it's just a charger way. It's just a charger way at this point. Happened with Anthony Wynn, move over to... Staley, I mean, come on. Um, I I get it that you have Justin Herbert and you can make him throw, but Eckler has been pretty much your workhorse for the past couple of weeks. And, you know, you, you could have, like, wet, let this game 
um, you know, run itself out and you just decided to keep on throwing and going three and out and, you know, not doing what worked. Um, you know, and th- it's not like the Chargers weren't hit by the injury bug because J.C. Jackson got hurt again and uh, Mike Williams might be out for the season. Uh, that That is, cu- there's supposed to be an MRI today. I believe, but uh, no announcement has been made yet. But uh, that is something to look at, especially, you know, the Raiders starting to look like a capable team again. And, you know, they they could pressure the Chargers out. Who knows at this point? Uh, but, you know, they, they need to t- do something to turn their season around. I mean, I know it's not horrible. You're four and three. You're you're over 500, but AFC man, hard AFC to conference. You you gotta get more wins than four. Then the Seattle Seahawks, man. Geno is MVP right now, uh, in the NFC. I was gonna say, slow your roll there. Yeah, Josh no, no, no. And if the if, if it was like the MLB where they give like awards for both conferences. I I would feel like right now Gino would be NFC MVP, um, or at least right now he's comeback player of the year in my mind because he's just having such a good season um, because he was in such a bad draft class as we all know. Um, you know I get I I guess the Jets thing only works with certain quarterbacks. I mean uh, I I know every time a Jets quarterback leaves them. It's like, oh, it was just the Jets. No, it just depends on the player. And Gino's showing why, you know, it depends on the player. Because we've seen Sam Darnold, and he's not <laughs> he's not good either way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Kenneth Walker just being the god that he is right now. But um, the big thing out of that game for the Seahawks is that DK Metcalf got hurt. He doesn't need surgery, but he is most likely week to week. Um, you know, the guy who's probably going to step up in that spot until he comes back is our good old friend Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, and he had a, a solid game yesterday, did Mr. Goodwin, if I can pull up his exact stats here. Yeah, four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. So obviously, you know, he's not the same receiver as DK Metcalf. He just doesn't have the same you know anything hands body type but he's got or at least one thing that's comparable is the speed maybe if not faster than DK Metcalf I mean the guy's like an Olympian sprinter for crying out loud so you know he'll bring that deep threat ability still that DK Metcalf has and um Geno Smith was able to exploit it yesterday and you mentioned the injuries for the Chargers they're piling up Mike Williams went out that's you know that's part of the reason why the season's got off to such a slow start for them, certainly slower than I expected. I mean, they have just been hammered by injuries, which seems to happen to the Chargers every year. I mean, who knows if Justin Herbert's fully 100% from, you know, the rib injury yet. Um, you know, they've had Keenan Allen miss time. Now Mike Williams is going to be, you know, seems like he's going to be out for a while. Joshua Palmer's missed time. Jalen Guyton tore his ACL earlier in the year. Rashawn Slater, their, you know, bookend left tackle is out for the year. Joey Bosa is, you know, still injured and is probably going to miss a couple more games. J.C. Jackson yesterday, even though he, you know, wasn't playing particularly well, 
to begin with. He suffered a dislocated kneecap. There's no uh, timetable yet for his return, but you have to figure he's going to be out for a while. So, boy, things are just snowballing for the Chargers right now. When it rains, it pours. I still have faith, maybe foolishly, that they'll you know figure it out, and once they get healthy, they'll you know get back on the right track. But, boy, this season has certainly not gone according to plan. I thought they were uh, Super Bowl contenders coming into the year. I thought they'd be in contention for the number one seed in the AFC, and that is just not yeah, the not case even this close. Year. Yep. <laughs> But not entirely all their fault. I, Brandon Staley, you know, has his moments where I think he can do things better. Like, don't go for it on, like, 4th and 10 inside your own 20-yard line. That's a, an exaggeration. But still, those type of things. And then, you know, like I mentioned moments ago, how you're going up against the 31st rush defense in the NFL, yet you only run the ball 12 times. Granted, you know, game script might have played a part in that. But still, it's like, like Brandon Staley could uh, could do a better job there. The New York Jets, they moved to 5 and 2 on the season. They defeated the Denver Broncos 16 to 9, not uh, facing Russell Wilson going up against Brett Rippin, but I don't think it would have made much of a difference. You know, Russell Wilson, Brett Rippin, they probably would have given you the same equal uh, caliber of play, but this win came at a cost for the New York Jets. Boy, did they get hammered. Uh, Brees Hall, who is emerging as a star, maybe even a superstar, um, he's the only player in the league outside of Christian McCaffrey that had at least 400 rushing yards and 200 receiving yards. He had a 60-some-odd-yard touchdown in yesterday's game. He suffered a torn ACL out for the season, and it's also uh, just been reported that Elijah Vera Tucker is out for the season with a torn tricep, which, you know, I've been following the Jets closely this year, and Elijah Vera Tucker has been just huge for them. He's been their best offensive lineman. He's, you know, had to play out of position. You know, he's normally a guard, left guard, but he's been playing right guard for this season. He even played right tackle for them, even though he's never played right tackle in his life before, and he was playing really well. So that's just an absolute gut punch for the Jets on that offensive line. But they're, you know, 5-2. and two. Uh, tied with the Kansas City Chiefs, but boy, that was uh, that's about as bad of a win as you can have given the the players they lost. Well, that might be the end of being tied with the Chiefs' record for the Jets. Uh, like you said, Brees Hall was really their main offensive star, and now that you lost that, you're either going to have to trade for a running back like a Kareem Hunt, um, or go with Michael Carter. I mean. At this point, you just need anything because you are not letting Zach Wilson pass. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson, but 16 for 26 and 121 yards. What a, a, a stat line. What a stat line. I, I mean, you look exactly almost identical to Rodgers. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Broncos didn't have their main guy out there. I mean, I get it. Russell is cringy and all, and, you know, nobody really likes him right now. But... It's not like either team really had this big, you know, it wasn't like a blowout like everybody thought it was going to be for the Jets um, facing Rippon. It was still half halfway decently close. I mean, 16 to 9 is, you know, that's a touchdown. That That's all it takes to tie the game and go into overtime. Um, but, you know, that's why Brett Rippon is your backup and Russell Wilson is your starter. Russell Wilson probably... I, I, I know it's a hard probably, but I, I would like to think he would have gotten a touchdown at some point. Um, but, 
you know, good for the Jets. They get one more win before their season goes downhill. Um, it's also another big loss to the Jets because, you know, maybe they would have kept up with the Bills. I, I mean, we all know that the Bills doesn't don't have an exceptional run defense. I, I it, It's gotten better this year, uh, 100%. But still, it's a, you know, sometimes it does hurt you. Um you know, it, that did happen with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against the Chiefs. You know, he did run for a little bit more than I think anybody really expected. Um, so, you know, that that's just, they're, they're out of the playoffs. They're out, that That's my take now. You know I'm a Zach Wilson homer, so I have to challenge you on the, uh, he didn't play very well, or or what what was it that you Take, said exactly? Uh that, or that he had like him, the same stat line as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you can't let him throw the ball. I got to challenge you. I I'll I'll uh I'll concede that he did not play particularly well yesterday, but neither has any quarterback in the NFL against the Broncos defense except Geno Smith. Um against Justin Herbert, they held him to a 66.3 QBR. Matt Ryan, which maybe this isn't, you know, all that impressive. Not the greatest been, reference right now. Yeah, because he's been benched, but a 60.1. Derek Carr, 76.6. 81.2 for Jimmy Garoppolo. 63.2 for Davis Mills. Geno Smith is the only quarterback they played against this season that's gone over 100 QBR. He had 119.5. So I'm not going to you know hold it against Zach Wilson. Was he great yesterday? No, but... Was it also, like, sound the alarm bad yesterday? No. So, you know, the Broncos, they have an elite, you know, defense, elite pass defense. So I'm not going to hold that one too much against Zach Wilson. I mean, he didn't win him the game, but he didn't lose him. He, he didn't lose it for him either, which is what he's been doing all season. And, you know, he's been able to ride the Jets' defense in the run game. But, you know, that's probably going to change moving forward because Michael Carter, while he's a good back, he's no Brees Hall. So, you know, they're going to have to lean on him more to win games and we'll find out, you know, what he's really made of because, you know, they're going to face Bill Belichick and the Patriots next week. You got to go against the Bills. So, you know, there's going to be some tests uh, for Zach Wilson coming up and they're probably going to lean on him and that's going to be a good uh, litmus test for for where he's at in his career right now. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 44 to 23 uh Christian McCaffrey made his way over to San Francisco but it wasn't enough they just got completely demolished by Mahomes and the Chiefs there yeah and uh this this game was pretty easy to tell it's not like we've seen this one before oh wait we have um you know I I don't care if you bring in McCaffrey he only had three days or really technically two days to even learn some of the playbook, but he did get a lot of usage, which is a good sign. If you have Christian McCaffrey in places, bad sign. If you have anybody else, um, because man, McCaffrey still did pretty well for not barely knowing anything. And they said, Oh, we're only going to use him in the red zone package. What a lie. What a lie. I see this man running from midfield. Like, come on, guys. You don't need a lie about that. I think McCaffrey had 23 snaps played, and he had 10 touches. Only one came in the red zone, which was kind of surprising because we figured that's where he would do the lion's share of his work. But that was uh, Christian McCaffrey's San Francisco debut, and not the start probably that, that he would have hoped for. Now, let me tell you why. 
the Chiefs won this game. They cracked the code. Apparently, this is how you got to do it. Juju Smith-Schuster said that um, playing Call of Duty Warzone with Mahomes, Kelsey, and NVS. Someone tell Kyler Murray. Yeah. They uh, they played on Friday, this past Friday, and won three games in a row. And he said that was the difference that in was chemistry yesterday. That was it. Yeah. We won three straight games. Yep. Works. He won three straight Approved. games on, on COD Warzone. But, hey, I mean, there's no way to disprove that. I mean, he was right. I mean, you have Mahomes throwing for 423 yards and three touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster had seven catches for a buck 24 and a touchdown. MVS, for the first time this season, went over 100 yards. Wasn't enough for my fantasy team, unfortunately, but... Tanner, I thought we said we weren't talking about that anymore. I had to. Every had time MBS comes up, <laughs> I got to mention it. But I guess Juju Smith-Schuster was right. So, you know, everybody's dogging on Kyler Murray for him, you know, hopping on during double XP weekend. But maybe he needs to – that's all he needs to do is just get, you know, D-Hop, get Zach Ertz, get uh, Marquise Brown on there, and just, you know, play well, some Warzone. Well, more Robbie Anderson now. Robbie Anderson. Just get them all on Warzone, win a couple games, and it will translate uh, to the football field, at least according to Juju Smith-Schuster, the Miami Dolphins the return of Tua Tungavailoa. He defeated, well, they defeated, I should say, the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-10. to 10. It came down to the very end, but uh, Kenny Pickett threw an interception, the first of Noah Igbenogany's career that he was able to come down with, and uh, that sealed the game. You know, it was good to see Tua back out there, but, you know, now that, you know, we know he's all healthy and good, I can go back to slandering him and the Dolphins. They really didn't do anything, again, that would strike fear in the hearts of their opponents. I mean, I feel like they should be, it's hard to critique them a lot because, you know, they're four and O with two and now, but I mean, you have two other worldly, other worldly receivers in Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. You've got an exceptional play caller and designer and Mike McDaniel, but still it just feels like the offense disappears for large amounts of time. I I think it's funny that, the Steelers, with no good defensive uh, secondary, can shut down Tom Brady. They they kind of shut down Tua, but they still lost. I I think Mitch was the answer. I I don't know why you put Pickett back in. Um, you know I I get it. Yeah, young guy. You know you drafted him, whatever. But Mitch beat Tom Brady. You you understand? There's like a level of beating people, you know, when, when a lower type tier guy beats a God tier type guy, don't, don't, don't you think that you should maybe give him one last chance? I mean, I, I'm shocked they didn't bring him in in the fourth quarter. Pickett looked horrible. Yeah. A horrible day. Um, <coughs> he went 32 of 44 with 254 yards, one touchdown, Three interceptions, which made all the difference. Um, but man, you—if uh, you're—if you're Pittsburgh, you better be thinking about another QB battle. And if you're Miami, you better be thanking the Pittsburgh Steelers for being a pile of dog poop. Uh, you know, not figuring out what works and what doesn't because all the points was scored in the first half. No, nothing was scored in the second half. Nothing. It was just big old zeros. 
Um, so they probably the most boring game of the day and probably the least telling game of the day. Yes, sir. Now, um, oh, you know what? Here's what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought there for a moment, but I'm not going to judge Kenny Pickett too hard um, for this game or for the start of his career. He has now seven interceptions in his first four games, but you know what? He's in good company because, you know, Terry Bradshaw, another Steelers legend, he had five interceptions in his first seven games. Peyton Manning had 11. So, you know, it's hard to judge, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, just you got to kind of treat rookie quarterbacks with kid gloves. Like you don't figure out how to play the quarterback position in one day or one week for that matter. Like it's a, a development and a maturation process. So, you know, it's not been the best start for Kenny Pickett, but certainly not an indictment on his career in any stretch. I want Mitch in there just because he's the true MVP. That's fair. I mean, I'd like to see Mitch in there too, but it's more likely than not Mitch is not the future. And, you know, Kenny Pickett has How could you say that, Tanner? How could you say that? It's just I have to be objective and just— No, no, you don't. It's it's Mitch Trevitsky. That's part of my job of being a radio host is to just— Yeah, you said it earlier. Be the voice of reason. So, you know what? I love Mitchell Trubisky— Thankful for his services in Buffalo. He's a My, great, you know, clipboard holder and backup to Josh Allen, but that's just the way it is. He's, you know, 27 years old. He hasn't really shown throughout his career that he can be the starting quarterback, but you know what? He is the MVP, and he's only one week removed from beating the GOAT, so maybe I should put more faith in Mitchell Trubisky. Tanner, how dare you use my own words against me? How dare you? You know I'm still sick. How dare you do that to a sick man? It's like one of those scenes. You ain't hit a guy with glasses, right? You ain't use my own words against me while I'm sick, would you? <laughs> I, I, I'm just ruthless like that. Simply put, I guess. Ouch! I guess so. <laughs> Ouch! I know who I'm not calling. Oh no! No more, no more fantasy advice for you. <laughs> You'd rather lose than ask now. Consult me for fantasy advice, Tanner. I went with you though. I, I'm, well, I'm saying from now on because I just slandered Mitchell Goat Trubisky. And I just used your own words against you. Oh, my God. Who am I going to ask now? I don't even know. Tanner. Tanner, you're screwing me over here. Hey, you know, I'm not saying that I won't. I'm just saying I figure now you won't ask me. But if you're, you, if you're you just now going to, like, put it in. Um, you're not even going to say it on Twitter. You're going to message me on some random <laughs> third-party app. Yeah, I'll send my recommendations through snail mail. <laughs> Which uh, that, AOL.com. Yes, here we sir. go, baby. Yep, I will create a MySpace account just for just for <laughs> it. But, all right, the last game of week number seven is tonight. The Chicago Bears taking on the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is slated to come back. Now, I I might be having buyer's remorse. I picked the Chicago Bears to win this game, which I guess I just. I, I just wanted to be different on Friday when we were doing our game picks. I picked. The, I just wanted to be different. Yeah, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. I picked the Commanders over the Packers, which somehow worked out. And then I picked this game, which, you know, Bill Belichick made it sound like this will be a lot closer of a game than conventional wisdom would say. I mean, like I said, the guy earlier in the week went on a seven-minute, thousand-plus word monologue on how good the Bears are. He said Justin Fields is a threat every time he touches the football. So, uh, that Bill Belichick. Yeah, if, what type of threat for which team? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's right. That's funny. Um, but you got that going on tonight. Hopefully, 
the Bears have not given us uh, great showings in prime time. Uh, Justin Fields in his career is 0-2 in prime time, and Bill Belichick has a tendency of making of putting young quarterbacks in a box, making them see goats or see goats, see goats, see ghosts from the words of Sam Darnold. And uh, even, you know, a sophomore, Josh Allen, you know, had three interceptions against the I Patriots. I would love that if Goats just went onto the field, just going around his head. I'm seeing goats. I'm seeing goats. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I picked the Bears. I can't take it back. I'm rocking with it. Bear down. I mean, I'd love to see the Bears win because, you know, that helps us out in the division. And, you know, it's always nice to see the Patriots in last place in the AFC East. But, unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to happen. I hope... Uh, Justin Fields lives up to his praises that were sung of him by Bill Belichick, and he runs for 100 yards, throws for 300 more, but I just don't think it's going to happen, simply put. And unfortunately, I think the Patriots are going to win. Yeah. Wow. My voice is not cooperating with me. Like, technology does not cooperate with you. That's right. Um, You know, mine is just my job. (laughs) Uh, So... Yeah, Patriots are going to win this game. I don't see any doubts. Um, Mac Jones, just he wants to come back and put all the doubters to rest. That, you know, he's not going to be the next Drew Bledsoe. Um, I, I mean, can, can I blame him? No. Um, Zappi has looked well in an offense that should not be doing well. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Joe Judge and Matt Patricia put in his put in his Gatorade, but you know, um, it, it made him pretty focused. Uh, but I, I think new England will get the wind. I just, I can't see him losing. I just can't, I get it that the bears are having a tough time, but against the bill Belichick defense, which takes away your best thing, which who knows what their best thing is right now. Um, you know, that that's a bad sign when I don't even know what your best thing on your team is. I mean, I guess the run game would between Fields, Montgomery, and Herbert, but they don't do a lot of things particularly well. No. All right, that's going to do it for us for this edition of The Blitz. Before we sign off, Dan, do the honors. Throw your social media out there, mate. Yeah, sure. On uh, You can find me on Twitter at double underscore D capital WBMY where all our past episodes are somewhere on my Twitter profile. <laughs> and you can find me. I always retweet uh, the episodes on uh, Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000 and on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. Uh, Want to thank Double D, of course, as always, and Evan Harrington for the uh, the half hour, the fireworks he gave us during the first half hour. But that's going to do it for us. For Dan Dale, I am Tanner Saunders saying thank you for listening to this episode of The Blitz. Oh, I remembered I was going to say you can listen, you know, live on 91.3 FM WBNY or on the Radio FX app or, you know, on demand. If you want to listen on demand, you can find us on any uh listening platform where they have podcasts apple spotify any others that i'm forgetting mr double d um i mean those are the two main ones all right well there apple you go. google yeah most google e- most everyone has the apple spotify google podcasts all that so unless if you're just weird and have like one of those off-brand ones which i'm not judging 
Uh, you're still a listener. Thank you. <laughs> well, there's about five different ways you can listen to us, so we should have all of our bases covered there, but that's going to do it for us. We will see you in the next one. Have a great day.